0: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
2: Good music is what we want to hear. What do you mean? Good music. It's what we dance to, what our children will dance to. And if you don't want to play it, then take your records and go home. You have a
3: band, good or bad? It's a great band, it's a bad band, it's like pizza, baby, it's good, no matter what, there's music in the air!
4: Every year, Jim and I join thousands of music industry insiders and fans at the South by Southwest Music Conference in Austin, Texas. And always we return with a few bands you need to hear more about. I'm Greg Cott of the Chicago Tribune. And I'm Jim DeRogatis of WBEZ and Columbia
3: College. We'll share our discoveries for 2011 and review the new album by New Yorkers, The Strokes. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions.
5: Down in Mississippi, boys, is my native home.
3: Show you, we're down in
5: Mississippi, is my home. at home. Here in Chicago, now what, well, I'm waiting on. Down
4: that is Pine Top. Perkins from the album "Last of the Great Mississippi Delta Bluesmen Live in Dallas," for which he won a Grammy Award in 2008. the great pianist Pine Top Perkins Jim, dead at the age of 97. As that indicates, he was active right until the very end of his career, an amazing life in the blues, born in the South, one of the last living links to that original group of Delta bluesmen that came north uh, in the post-war era and defined the urban blues for subsequent generations of not only bluesmen but rockers. Perkins was a big part of that. He started out as a guitar player, shifted to piano when the tendons in his left arm were severed in a knife fight down (laughs) south. So he said, you know, I can't play the frets on the guitar anymore. I'm going to play piano, focus on that. And he turned out to be one of the great boogie-woogie pianists of all time, that left-hand rhythm really defining the post-war urban blues. He cut a single in 1953 at Sun Studios in Memphis that gave him his name, a cover of Clarence Pinetop Smith's Top's Boogie Woogie, after then, Joe Willie Perkins was known as Pine Top Perkins as well. He moved around. He drove, you know drove a tractor down south, moved north again to Chicago permanently in the fifties. Played with Earl Hooker's band in the late sixties, and then Muddy Waters recruited him. That was really kind of the defining moment in his career in many ways, because Waters had a great band in the seventies, and that was his comeback period. From there, he went on to make solo records. He didn't start recording solo albums until he was in his 70s. And when he won the Grammy, he was the oldest uh, Grammy winner ever. Yeah, it was really an amazing career. I mean, you talk about late career renaissance. Here's this guy recording a dozen albums when he was in his 70s, 80s, and 90s. Hmm. Died in Austin recently at the age of 97, but still very much a vibrant spirit on the blues scene till the very end. In tribute to Pine Top, we're going to play his Pine Top's Boogie Woogie, Unsound opinions.
5: Now, I want all y'all to know this is my own book. and do it just like I tell you. When I tell you to hold yourself, I want you to try your best to hold yourself, don't you move a And when I tell you to get it, I want all y'all to try your best to get it. So get ready now, hold yourself. Stop. Now, get it. I won't y'all forget to you notice know, my own boogie boogie, do it just like I tell you. When I tell you to hold yourself this time when you try your best to hold yourself, don't you move a And when I tell you to get it, won't you try your best to get it? So get ready now, hold yourself. Stop. Not get it. That's what I'm talking about. shake it but don't break it. You see the girl over there with the red dress on, tell her to come and in, stand out the piano while in pine top here. That's why I want to face the audience, though.
3: That was Pine Top's Boogie Woogie by the great Pine Top Perkins, dead at the age of 97. You're listening to Sound Opinions, Greg as we said, Pine Top Berkens died in Austin, Texas. The two of us have just come back from Austin, Texas. Pine Top was going to the South by Southwest showcases and we spent a lot of time down there. What is South by Southwest for those who don't know? For the last 25 years, it has been the music industry's biggest ...annual gathering, kind of a combination of the Cannes or Toronto Film Festival and Spring Break. (laughs) Uh, It has merged in recent years with a film festival and an interactive festival. This year, interestingly enough, the interactive festival drew more badge-wearing attendees than the music festival. But for everybody who buys one of those expensive badges to go to the convention center and hear the panels... ...as well as attend the showcases, there have to be 10 or 20 people who come to Austin, Texas for the music either the sanctioned showcase gigs or the many parties that descend on Austin, Texas. People are playing music almost 24-7 everywhere and anywhere. And I'm talking hotel lobbies and elevators. I'm talking Mm -hmm. at the airport. There were something like 87 venues that were authorized this year. Mm -hmm. There had to be another 50 or 100 that were unauthorized. While many veterans complain, it's gotten too big. It's unmanageable. Remains for us the best way to really take a barometric reading of what's going to be the big news stories in the year to come. I've always come back with a notebook full of bands to research further, groups I'm really excited about. Groups that I know are going to make news in the coming year. Sometimes you also see these gems. Somebody who's traveled from halfway around the world to play one show in Texas, and it blows your mind, and you really never hear from them again.
4: But most of them we will be talking about quite a bit in the months to come. It really is about discovering the new, and I thought it was fascinating because of that, the way Bob Geldof approached his keynote speech. Now, you and I have gone to dozens of these in the past, and they've had some pretty big hitters delivering these keynote addresses. Uh, We've seen Quincy Jones, we've seen Smokey Robinson, Robert Plant, Little Richard, Johnny Cash... I would say Sir Bob uh, gave the best one I've ever seen, just in terms of just sheer eloquence. And I was exp- I was thinking, you know, they've scraped the bottom of the barrel.
3: You know, yeah. Live Aid is a long time ago. What has Bob Geldof got to say to us in 2011?
4: Me too. I mean, he's best known for, you know, I don't like Mondays from the Boomtown Rats, you mm-hmm. know, late 70s, early 80s, new wave kind of band, and, and Live Aid, as he said, which is in the mid-80s. What's he done for us lately? He's put out a bunch of mediocre solo albums is what he's done. But what he delivered was a keynote address that uh, zeroed in on what he saw as a, malaise in, in the American music scene, which was pretty gutsy thing to do in, in a room full of largely musicians and, and people who are part of that industry, basically saying, you guys need to wake up. He said, rock and roll transformed my life. For the last half century, it is the great American music but it may be over. It's either time to wake up or move on to the next thing. Basically issuing a challenge to the bands that are out there today to address the social issues, the world around them, engage with their society and with the politics and with the world in a way that he's not hearing. Now he did that eloquently though because he said don't yeah. go write lyrics about the G8
3: Summit. I'm not talking right. about that. I'm talking about the spirit of the music has to be about something
4: and it has to be against something. Mm-hmm. It needs that wall to push against. And he. If feels like we're not even recognizing that the wall is there. It's like we're ignoring it. He said engage with that wall. Push against it. It can be subversive. It can be understated, but engage with it in some way. I thought it was really powerful stuff. At the same time, I went out at night and I saw a bunch of bands that fit the bill, and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Absolutely, as did I. The other, I think, most
3: newsworthy panel, the big showdown between Ticketmaster and the independent concert promoters. We were expecting fireworks at this panel during the day at the convention Center at South by Southwest, and it didn't really happen. You had some of the biggest critics of the merger last year of Ticketmaster and Live Nation, independent booking agent from Chicago and independent ticket retailer from the West Coast. These people have all been opposed, different segments of the concert industry, to the mega merger of Ticketmaster and Live Nation. One of the first times I've seen anybody from either of those companies actually come to South by Southwest, Ticketmaster CEO Nathan Hubbard came and showed his face. The question was, what has happened to the Industry In the year since this merger, many people predicted that the Indies would eventually be all driven out of the business and it'd be one giant company controlling all live music in America. The answer was not that positive. It wasn't that negative, though, either. The answer was, we can't tell. 2010 was such a down year because of the economy for live music that we cannot tell what have been the negative effects, particularly from the Ticketmaster Live Nation merger, and what has been the negative effect of being a really bad year. Live music is struggling in this country, which is ironic, because although the live music industry is having its troubles, in Texas last week, 2,000 bands had come from around the world to play. Live music was never more alive as far as I was concerned. and I know you feel the same way. Throughout this South by Southwest show, we are going to highlight some of our favorite discoveries, go back and forth, tell you about them. I'm going to start, Greg, with a band that uh, was not only the best group I saw throughout the festival, but it's one of the best bands I've seen in in years, if not my entire life. This band (laughs) blew me away. It is a trio, Les Butcherettes. Despite the French name, it's actually a Mexican group, was formed in Guadalajara about a decade ago by one Terry Genderbender. That's her stage name. Real name, Teresa Suarez. Initially, kind of a straightforward garage punk group, but it has become something else entirely in recent years. A really arty trio terry is up front on vocals switches between keyboards and guitars she has a bassist and a drummer backing her up she is now signed to the label run by omar rodriguez lopez of the mars volta formerly at the drive-in and he has produced their first album which doesn't even come out for a couple of months still it's called sin 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 but live they are just incendiary she spent half the show running around the club sang one song from the back bleachers Over the head of the audience, shouting the words back at the stage where her bandmates were. She was stage diving. She was crowd surfing. She was on fire, switching back and forth between Spanish and English. She is mad about that wall between Mexico and the United Mm. States. She is mad at that wall between men and women. Geldof was saying, you know, sing about things that matter. She was singing about these issues, not directly tear down that wall, right? But every word was kind of informed by this anger and this horror, but also this lust for life. Here's a song that's on their MySpace page. She played this at the set I saw. It's called "Dress Off." The bassist sits it out, goes and has a beer for this song, and it's just her vocal and the drums. She goes through the same line over and over and over again: "Take my dress off. You can take my dress off. Take my pretty dress off." That's not an invitation. That's a threat. When I'm talking about. The complicated relationships between men and women in this post-feminist era the entire history of that is all in this one song in those couple of lines of vocals here is lay butcherettes on sound opinions you take-
4: That was Dress Off from Le Butcherette's, one of uh, Jim DeRogatis' picks from the South by Southwest Music Conference in Austin, Texas. It was a great week for music. I don't know how you can go to Austin and not come back with at least a half dozen new bands that you want to tell everybody about, Jim. The place that I had the most fun at in Austin was, funnily enough, a church <laughs> <laughs> on 8th Street. The Central Presbyterian Church turned out to be a magical music venue. I've seen some really good stuff there in past years. And found myself gravitating towards it this year because of the acts that were there. But also, And also, was, at the end of the night when you're really tired, <laughs> you can sit in the pew <laughs> and chill out. It's a great atmosphere, though. And, you know, if you've got the voice to fill it, it can be an extraordinary place to showcase your talents. And that was particularly true of this band from Los Angeles that I saw, Glasser. It's really based around the vocalist Cameron Mesero. I did a little studying on her history after being blown away by her performance. It turns out her mom was one of the founding members of that new wave band, Human Sexual Response. Huh. And her dad is a member of the Blue Man Group. So there's a bit of theatricality and certainly a musical background that she brings to the stage. And you could see it all there. The first thing I saw her do was an a cappella number. And her voice sounded just stunning in that cathedral ceiling at that church. She combines this sort of almost Elizabethan ballad type of austerity and beauty. You know, you could see her singing a ballad from the 16th century. And at the same time, there's this electronic vibe running through it that reminds me of Bjork. So she's combining these two really interesting elements, visually stunning, incredible voice, and a great song that I'm going to play for you here from Glasser. It's called Apply on Sound Opinions. glasser with the song apply one of my favorites from the recently completed south by southwest music conference coming up on sound opinions we're going to continue our wrap-up of that 25th annual music gathering in austin texas and later we're going to review the much anticipated new record by the strokes that's in a minute on sound opinions from wbez chicago and prx
3: Hi, this is Jim DeRogatis. It is Friday night, middle of the evening. I just came from a a really exciting show, a heritage act. One of the classic rock acts that occasionally come down here to South by Southwest to reform and acknowledge their historical past. I'm, of course, talking about Screeching Weasel, Uh, one of the founding bands of the punk pop movement, without whom there would be no Green Day, no Sum 41, no Blink 182. So Screeching Weasel did a rare gig down here, uh, and it was in rare form. Ben Weasel spent most of the set haranguing the crowd, complaining that he was only making $250 for this show, and usually he makes $40,000, and he was outraged by this, and all you people were were idiots uh, for paying, and how rock critics were blank, blank, blanking parasites and blank, blank, blanking scum. Mind you, rock critics being pretty much the only people who've cared about Screeching Weasel for the last 20 years. It was a fun show until somebody threw a beer in Ben's face, and it was a girl, and then she threw an ice cube and hit him right in the eye. So he jumped in the crowd and he punched her in the face. You know, sometimes punk rock skirts the edge of danger, and sometimes it goes too far in one direction. It was one of those nights that went a little too far. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Koch. And Greg, listening to that audio takes me right back to Texas, especially that night. I tell you, there was something weird in the air this year. 20th festival I've attended, the 23rd you've been to, the epic full moon was out and it was driving people crazy. There were a couple of accidents. There were some overcrowding incidents. There were some mini riots. And of course, there was that Ben Weasel incident. He has been pilloried by the punk underground, all the message boards and and Twittering fans. He has issued a seemingly heartfelt apology. A lot of gigs have been canceled for the group and bands are dropping off of their gigs. I'm going to play another discovery, though. I'm going to take it back to the positive tip. A band that I saw and loved was the Bewitched Hands. You might recall I talked about them on a buried treasure show on Sound Opinions when they were called The Bewitched Hands on the Top of Our Heads. They have now shortened their moniker. This is a sextet from Reims in France. They issued 3 EPs last year, each one better than the last. They won my enthusiasm, and then I saw them live and they're even better. Oh my goodness. Think of the new pornographers or broken social scene supergroups, big bands on stage playing anthemic songs. Then add in a little bit of that Stereolab wordless vocal magic, where people are just chanting la 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 la, you know, mm-hmm. in the background, and then a little bit of that Feelies or Vintage Strokes rhythm. What a wonderful combination of influences, and yet they're from France and completely interesting and unique people. That's a lot of formulaic ingredients. They put their mark on it with great. Songwriting. They have an album coming out, Birds and Drums. I've heard it already. It's wonderful. This is a song called Happy with You. It kicks off this new album by Bewitched Hands on Sound Opinions. I love that song, Bewitched Hands. The song is called Happy With You, one of my favorites from South by Southwest 2011. And, Greg, it's your turn now. What have you got? Thanks, Jim. Bewitched Hands, how many
4: times do you think they played? Was that their only gig? or uh, That was their, yeah, it was French night yeah. at one of these there tiny clubs. Everybody Appreciate. was speaking French and smoking, even though they weren't supposed to. I think that was it. Because that is becoming increasingly rare, where a band plays only one time when they come to Austin. Usually you see these bands playing every day, When they're down there, you know, over five or six days, sometimes two or three times a day. I know of one band that played 17 or 18 times. Oh, man. P.S. I Love You was in the kind of the middle ground. They played about seven or eight times. Impossible to miss them. I actually liked them so much that I went back to catch a little bit of their next set the next day. The reason I loved them so much, a duo out of Kingston, Ontario. Loved what I was hearing on the net. It is basically a guitar-drums combination. The key to this band is the guitarist, Paul Sonier. He is a one-man guitar army. I thought there was three or four guitar players playing at once. And unlike some other bands we know, there is not a man behind the curtain, there is not a man underneath the stage doubling the parts or playing additional parts. It's just this one guy with an array of foot pedals. He's got this kind of organ bass pedal on the floor that he manipulates in addition to the guitar. It makes him sound like an entire band in one, an orchestra of guitars. And the drummer's pretty good too, a guy named Benjamin Nelson. Plays these very orchestrated parts. It's not just hammering away but creating little two and three minute pop symphonies and in the middle of that there's just just this wall of guitars when this guy cracks into a solo i'm thinking a little bit of jay mascus sort of that indie rock guitar hero combined with some eddie van halen hammer-ons <laughs> he does everything with that guitar the song I'm going to play is from their latest record, Meet Me at the Muster Station. It's called Face Love from P.S. I Love You on Sound Opinions. Yes, I Love You with Face Love on Sound Opinions, one of my favorites from South by Southwest. Jim, what do you got next for us?
3: Greg, you know, in terms of many trends, I saw a lot of different electronic acts reaching back to the goth world for inspiration, mm-hmm. dark, bewitching, and trancing music. One of my favorite albums last year was by a band called Salem. It was dubbed Witch House, a phrase that they've been laughing about, and I think even the writers who've used it have laughed about. But this band, Esben and the Witch, from Brighton, England, are also very much in this vein. We do need some sort of genre name for this stuff. They are named... Named after a particularly grisly ancient Danish fairy tale, and it fits. Let me tell you, Rachel Davies is the vocalist and percussionist, singing to the electronic backing of her two bandmates. It's a trio. It is otherworldly, creepy, ethereal, and then all of a sudden there will be these explosions. It reminded me of the early, early first single or two, Jesus and Mary Chain, with a sort of intense sudden explosion of feedback cacophony, that use of dynamics from something so quiet and so creepy to something that's shearing the top of your head off. The single, Marching Song, came out months ago. They have an album that's just coming out called Violet Cries, but I think Marching Song is the best introduction to Esben and the Witch. Here they are on Sound Opinions.
0: deserts so cold, even drowning rains, and soldier on to this marching
4: That was Marching Song from Esben and the Witch, one of Jim DeRogatis' favorites from uh, the South by Southwest Music Conference. One of my favorites too, Jim. I got to say, their, their live performance was absolutely entrancing. Another entrancing performer, Meryl Garbus. I remember that name. Wow, what a voice, what a dynamic performer. She is the centerpiece of a group called Tune Yards that blew me away down there. I cannot wait for their next album, Who Kill?, based on what I saw in performance she released a pretty cool 2009 record called bird brains that was basically a one-woman show bedroom recording very lo fi but she's really blown it out with this next record i think and the stage show exhibited that she had a brass section up there she had these polyrhythmic things going on within the music that gave it a lot of heft and then at the center of it there's this wonder woman is the best way Mm. i can describe her meryl garb is doing it all she was looping her voice into this chanting swirl. She was slamming out these punk rock chords on a ukulele, of all things. She was hammering away on a drum, and then she was singing in this big, uninhibited voice. A lot of people have compared it to soul or gospel singing. It, it is definitely derived from that. There is no sense of shyness or you know I'm going to whisper along here I am in the room and I'm going to fill it with the sound of this voice and mm. the joy I'm having of uh, performing it was really wondrous stuff I can't wait to hear the full length album but here's a taste from it business from tune yards on sound opinions <laughs>
1: Get up, stand up, get up, stand up, get on it. me, but all my wisdom, he thought. It was-
3: Was business by tune yards one of Greg Cott's favorites from South by Southwest 2011? If you were down in Austin or you want to make a comment about anything in the music world, call 888-859-1800. You can also join in the conversation on Facebook and Twitter. We'll be back after a short break on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX with our final South by Southwest discoveries.
4: Craig Codd, day five of the South by Southwest Music Conference in Austin, Texas. It's just about wrapping up here. I usually make it a policy of mine not to see an act I have already seen, but I made an exception. I could not resist seeing Sharon Van Etten at the Presbyterian Church on A Street. The setting was too beautiful. The revelation of the night, 12-piece band typhoon from Portland, brass section, string section, beautifully orchestrated chamber rock in uh, the confines of Austin, Texas. I don't know how these guys do it. I'm going to wrap up the evening with a a look at Odd Future, the band that everybody's talking about. Kind of a violent uh, hip-hop act. We'll see how they do it live in a few minutes. But uh, that's it from South by Southwest. Uh, We'll see you back here in 2012. I was tall. To act my shoe size, never my age I
0: always judge a book by the cover never the page I never judge a murder by weapons only the ways that he felt when he dealt with the physiological
4: phase. Welcome back to Sound Opinions I'm Greg Kot with my partner Jim DeRegadas and yes indeed I did go to see Odd Future at the uh, South by Southwest Music Conference in Austin Texas Very brief though uh, 15 minutes 3 songs they were upset with the sound they were upset with the audience not being as into them as they would have liked and they left the stage very quickly leaving a lot of people who paid good money to get in there i saw fans pay 20 bucks to see odd future that only saw a 15 minute performance i think odd future owes them a refund one of the biggest hyped groups of that festival but that was not One of their better days or nights You ain't kidding about the hype, Greg I have not seen the word genius Applied (laughs) uh, by rock
3: journalists so often As I have with this collective Odd Future Wolfgang Kill Them All I could not bring myself to go to that show On Saturday because the level of misogyny In the lyrics is truly disturbing Despite whatever musical talents These guys have on on their mixtapes And as live performers Wow, it's just way over the top It makes Eminem's nastiest Look like a playground Mm -hmm. chants I went to see a woman who's the same age. An 18-year-old young woman named Dominique Young-Unique performed, and and there were problems with the performance, but I'm still picking her as one of my highlights because her energy was irrepressible. She's from Tampa, Florida. She has a mixtape out. An album is forthcoming. The songs on her MySpace page are just so celebratory and full of joy. There were problems in the sense that the two goobers backing her up were both like out of central casting for a (laughs) bad John Hughes soundtrack, 1986. These guys could have played in like the revival of, of Flock of Seagulls. And they were using all these 80s sounds. It was like, you know, she was plopped down on top of a Buggles backing track or something. But she was so good. You still just were like, wow, this woman's got so much energy. Reminds me of the first time I saw Kid Sister. And I hope that the music can be brought up to that same level. Here is one of her tracks from her MySpace page. This is Dominique Young Unique with Music Time on Sound Opinions. <laughs> Dominique Young-Unique with Music Time on Sound Opinions, one
4: of my favorites from South by Southwest, the last of this show. Greg, what are you going to go out with? Jim, I'm going to go out with my favorite band from the entire festival, or at least the finest performance that I saw in the entire music conference, and that was by Wild Flag. I hate to use the word supergroup, but in this case it it might apply. Carrie Brownstein and Janet Weiss from Sleater Kinney, Mary Timoney from Helium, Rebecca Cole from Minders, four prominent musicians from the indie rock scene over the last 15, 20 years, joining forces in this band. They don't have an album recorded yet, but they have been playing some live shows, and it's already coming together. The main difference here between this band and Carrie Brownstein and Janet Weiss's previous band, sleater Kenny, sleater Kenny had a more of a cerebral side to it. This is all about Uncontrolled id. This is free form, this is chaotic, this is psychedelic. They're doing all the things that Sleater-Kinney really didn't touch on in their best days. And I loved Sleater-Kinney. This is a different side of that approach. What I really enjoyed about watching this band was Brownstein and Timony on those jousting guitars up front. There were times when they were slamming in each other and rolling around on the stage, and in the back there, there's Janet Weiss holding it all down, kind of like a more disciplined Keith Moon. It was explosive. It was joyous to watch, and I, I just left wanting more. I, it was one of those sets where you go, I wish they could do that whole thing again. They have a single out. We're going to play a bit of it for you here. It's Glass Tambourine from Wild Flag on Sound Opinions.
3: tambourine by wild flag on sound opinions wrapping up our south by southwest 2011 show for a lot more on what greg and i did down in austin go to soundopinions.org
4: Undercover of Darkness from the Strokes and their fourth studio album Angles. It's been long in the making, Jim. This band defined that new wave of new wave scene in uh, New York City in the early 2000s. 2001 debut, Is This It?, one of the most lauded albums of that decade, and with good reason. You know, these leather-jacketed guys playing these really taut songs that really felt a part of that New York tradition, and just when the world thought that hip-hop and R&B and electronic music were going to take over the world. The Strokes really said, hey, you know, guitars are good. We love our guitars. And mm-hmm. We love those driving New York City rhythms. We're going to give you some music that expresses how we live. That album put them on the map. They made two more studio albums subsequently that weren't as well-reviewed. And then the group, after 2006, went in their separate directions. Four of the five group members ended up making solo records or working on outside projects. And there was some question about whether or not the Strokes would even get back together again to make another album. Julian Casablancas, the lead singer in the band, had been the controlling influence in those first three albums. He kind of micromanaged the songwriting and the arrangements and basically the way everything sounded. Now, in order to bring the group back together, it's become more of a democracy. All five members are writing songs. They have contributed to this record in a a more profound way. Casablanca's was kind of more of an overseer as opposed to the micromanager. We're going to review that in a minute, but let's play a track from Angles first. It's called Taken for a Fool on Sound Opinions.
3: That is taken for a fool by The Strokes from their new album, Angles. Greg, you know, I still love Is This It? The Strokes' debut. I think it was such a wonderful album that it, it, it made me overrate the next two. I think that the cracks in the armor really were there for the world to see in phrases for the young, the 2009 Julian Casablanca solo album. And this album, you know, flat out, I hate it. I don't know what happened to Fabrizio Moretti. He used to be one of the greatest drummers in rock in the new century. That wonderful subway train rhythm hurtling down the tracks, you talked about that rhythm when you were introducing the record. It's not there anymore. There's a lot of disco, hi-hat, shuffling kind of stuff here. There's a lot of stuff that sounds like it could be a drum machine. There is a big New Wave production But it's not only the rapping, the production. It's it's the songwriting. They have nothing to say anymore. They had one idea. And you can make a really good, long career uh, out of one idea. Witness, you know, the Ramones, fellow New Yorkers. But the Strokes have, have made one really good album out of one great idea. Diminishing returns on the next two. And this one just shows them artistically
4: bankrupt. I am a fan, but buy it, burn it, trash it. This is a trash it record. Well, I've got to disagree with you. I don't think it shows them as being artistically bankrupt. I would say the second and third albums were more examples of the fact that where are they going to go from here? They had nowhere to go. I would argue, actually, that doing those solo records kind of made them, you know, see the rest of the world and try some things that weren't strokesy and and let's see where we can go from here. Now, not everything works on angles. I I do think it is a failed record, ultimately, but at the same time it's way more interesting than the second and third albums as far as I'm concerned. It's really a tale of two records. The first half of it is basically a return to the Is This It sound. You've got those cross guitars that is classic strokes. But you don't have the rhythm. I disagree. I don't think the rhythm is as off as you say it is. I think they're, they're trying some different things Yes, there is a little bit more production here. I hear a lot of the Cars influence here, frankly. But they did it on the last Strokes album. Mm-hmm. The Cars thing was, was the the key that made that last album new. And I think what they realized is that after five songs of that, you know, let's, let's go into this new world. So we had Casablanca's making that synthesizer-heavy solo record, 2009, Phrases for the Young. I think that influence starts to creep into the second half of this record. They're experimenting. They're trying some different stuff. Not all of it works, but I actually say I think the Strokes have more of a future now. Now than they did in 2006 when I thought it was really over for this band I'm going to give it a burn it there are a few experiments on this record that work for me I'm curious to see what they do next that is a burn it from Mr. Cott. a trash it from me Greg what do we have on the show next week Jim we are going to help celebrate Bob Dylan's forthcoming 70th birthday by going back to the beginning and looking at his folk and protest years Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Nick
3: Myers, our intern, if he was one of our favorite venues in Austin, he'd be Emo's. Jason Saldana, our producer, he would be La Zona Rosa. Robin Lynn, our other producer, she'd be Maggie Mays. And our fearless leader, our executive producer, Tori southside Malatia. he's the Armadillo World Headquarters. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say.
1: I'm in the phone with this the one across the hall. If you don't answer all this rain it off the wall. I know this is there, but I just had a call. Don't leave me hanging on the telephone. Don't leave me hanging on the telephone. New messages.
2: Hi, guys. This is Julia from Philadelphia. I'm calling to comment on your story about Beyonce and Mariah and the others who performed for the Gaddafi family. You probably remember in the 1980s, a bunch of entertainers like Queen, Elton John, Ray Charles, a whole bunch of them got paid tons of money to play for mostly white audiences in um, Sun City in South Africa during the height of apartheid. And in response to this, Little Steven produced a song called Sun City by a group of performers who called themselves, I think... Artists United Against Apartheid. And they were just trying to draw attention to and put pressure on entertainers who played there and to get them to boycott the place. I um, think it took moral courage for one group of artists to stand up and chastise another group of artists for their greed. I mean, I know that Beyonce and Nelly Furtado have taken heat, but it hasn't come from other artists. Why not? Anyway, I would encourage anyone who hasn't heard Sun City to check it out, mostly because it's the only place I know where you can hear, um, like, Lou Reed... Curtis Blow, Pat Benatar, and Joey Ramon all on the same records. Pretty cool. Thanks, guys.
6: Hey, guys, this is Chris Douglas from South Jersey. I love that you were giving Public Enemy props. You had your sampling episode. I think that Shockley and, uh, you know, the Bomb Squad, those guys were just some of the most amazing artists uh, that I've ever heard. And they were so influential that a, a lot of artists started using those guys on their albums. I mean, you hear... Uh, A lot of similar public enemy sound on, you know, the first Ice Cube solo album, America's Most Wanted. That sound really uh, made the lyrics of those songs even more potent. And I'm glad that you guys uh, recognize their contribution uh, to hip hop. Have a great day. Hey, guys, this is Mike from uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I enjoyed your uh, recent show on sampling, and uh, as a big Public Enemy fan, I was delighted to see "Welcome to the Terror Dome" featured on the show. I've always thought that the the Bomb Squad is one of the most uh, innovative and ingenious uh, production teams uh, in all of rap. It also reminded me of uh, of a time when I saw Mike Tyson fight uh, in Atlantic City back in the '80s when he was in his prime. I don't remember where or who his unlucky opponent was. But I remember his opponent uh, came into the ring first, and he was dancing around the ring, and then the lights went off in the arena, and uh, Welcome to the Terror Dome uh, went on over the PA, and in comes Mike, looking like just a pissed off bull, surrounded by a posse of, of people. Seeing uh, Iron Mike in person in, uh, in conjunction with Welcome to the Terror Dome being you know, blasted over the uh, PA was truly uh, a sight to behold. And needless to say, Mike made uh, short work of that guy. I think it lasted about 38 seconds or something like that. So, anyway, brought back fun memories. Keep up the good work. Enjoy the show. Thanks, guys. Bye. Well, welcome to the Terra Dome.